Hello and welcome to the Translation Company Talk, a weekly podcast show focusing on translation services and the language industry. The Translation Company Talk covers topics of interest for professionals engaged in the business of translation, localization, transcription, interpreting, and language technology. The Translation Company Talk is sponsored by YYZ Translations. Your host is Sultan Ghaznawi with today's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Translation Company Talk podcast. This week we will be covering a general view of the language industry. My guest is Rick Antezano, the president of the Association of Language Companies and partner of Dynamic Languages in Seattle, Washington. Rick has been part of the language services industry for more than 25 years. He's currently a partner at Dynamic Language, a Seattle-based language services company established in 1985 and a charter member of the ALC. He has helped guide the company since 2004, leading to appearances in the Inc. 5000 list for six consecutive years. Dynamic is a family-owned business in its second generation of leadership and is one of the largest agencies in the Western United States. As an ALC contributor since the beginning, Rick led the effort to organize two ALC conferences by serving as chief chair for the 6th and 7th conferences in San Francisco and Austin, respectively, and has most recently served as the president of the Association of Language Companies since 2018. Overall, Rick has been part of the association leadership on and off for more than 10 years. He's a graduate of the University of Washington. Welcome to the Translation Company Talk Show. Hey, Sultan. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you so much for coming. Uh, so let me ask you about your early days, just to get the conversation started. Can you tell me how you got involved in this industry and what motivated you to stay in it? Sure. Happy to answer that. Uh, yeah, so I'm one of, I think, a number of people in the industry that am part of a family-owned business. So my parents are the ones that started it back, oh gosh, 35 years ago at this point. And so I was in college, uh, I want to say it was, gosh, 30 years ago now, actually this year uh, where I was looking at different career options and actually my parents both reached out to me and said look you know we've we've got some needs here and we think this is a great opportunity for you so if you want to give it a try you know we'd love to get you doing a couple of things here and let's see where it goes and at <laughs> first I wasn't exactly excited about it but uh, you know little by little I got more and more involved and uh, saw the potential and so I've been there ever since and like I said yeah 30 years now starting to get a feel for the industry a little by little so when you first joined what role did you get started with? Oh my gosh. Uh, so originally, this is back in 1990, 91, when producing print quality work, there was something that was called Linotronic typesetting. And so we had to produce these high quality printouts that had to physically be delivered to different clients who would then deal with it or it had to go to their printer, etc. So my first job was actually running things around there. So I, I would pick things up from the typesetter, take them to another location. So it was driving, honestly. That was my, my first gig. And then I went through just about every job that we have at the company, including uh, graphic design and desktop publishing. I did some time interpreting, uh, coordinating interpreting appointments, project management, and then I've moved on from there um, you know, to do more executive management type of stuff. So you all aspects of the industry, I guess, and things have changed. Tell me how have things actually changed since you started working in this industry? I mean, a lot of things are not mm-hmm. physical anymore. Everything is virtual or digital. That's true. I, I mean, there's a massive amount of changes you can imagine over 30 years. And I, I would say probably the biggest one has been software, you know, just the way that technology has has impacted our industry from the 1980s, because uh, even before I was actually working at the company, I still had a very clear view of what was happening. Uh, but, you know, going from the days when the fax machine was a big technological 
technological innovation to what we have now with machine translation and AI and everything like that. I mean, it's it's a huge impact. And, you know, the I think the impact of software created specifically for our industry has been massive. And I think that's one of the great advantages that companies have now is that instead of having to create their own software or their own solutions, uh, you know, there is subscription uh, solutions out there that that are phenomenal. So, yeah, those are a few of the big changes. Absolutely. I mean, you've been in the industry for a while. You have seen it from all these different vantage points and you've accomplished a lot, actually. Now you're the president mm-hmm. of the ALC and that's an accomplishment in itself. I, I'm very proud that I'm part of that organization and your leadership has been phenomenal. What Thank have you. your observations been in the industry? How uh, have things changed over the past few years from mm-hmm. what you're seeing? Yeah, uh, well, I appreciate your kind words. Thank you, Sultan. I mean, it's been the time period that I, since I've been president, has been tumultuous to say the least as far as the changes that have happened within the ALC. And it is a pleasure to have you and, and colleagues like you within the industry. But as far as the industry itself and the changes that we've seen over the years, you know, there's been a lot of consolidation, you know, within the industry, uh, larger uh, life service companies acquiring smaller ones. Um, I would say that also the perception of commoditization has been kind of a big thing, you know, uh, like fighting the client education battle and helping them understand that not every translated word is equal. So to speak. Um, same thing with interpreting, uh, you know, the value that companies like yours and, and mine try to bring to, to the forefront. Um, you know, that's something that has changed over time, especially as uh, different business models. You know, we used to primarily work with freelancers, right, right. individuals, and, and uh, it was a big challenge finding the right freelancers when we have requests for uh, translations and interpreting into, you know, 100 plus languages. And so, uh, you know, technology has been a, a huge help in finding the right partners. And partners for us now are mostly SLVs and MLVs, you know, not so much freelancers. But yeah, I think that's that's been something from a trend standpoint that I've seen in the industry. Things are changing and it's for the good for the most part. Can you tell me a little bit about the state of the industry as a whole in the U.S. right now? I mean, there are too many things happening. As a leader of a very active language translation company, Dynamic Language, and also as a president of this association, how do you see the current landscape shaping for the language companies in the context of it? and uh, political situation? Uh, well, that's that's an interesting aspect as far as, you know, when we look at the economic and political situation in the world right now, right. Um, you know, for, for me, we try to pay attention to the trends and, and what's happening politically, but no matter what, we're in the communication industry, and I think no matter what, Different cultures have to communicate with each other, whether it's because of business or because of you know, healthcare, everything related to that. Uh, we are actively trying to find trends and trying to find ways to bring value and to help current customers or potential customers to handle their communication needs. So, uh, you know, it, I wouldn't tie anything right now that I can think of directly to politics uh, or the economy. I mean, I think there's other things we're going to cover later that are probably more impactful. But I mean, it is something that I think everybody in our industry should pay attention to. Absolutely. I think it's just not our industry. Every industry is right now concerned because of the uncertainty Mm -hmm. and so forth. So a lot has happened in the past one year with uh, regards to regulation, specifically in the US. The Assembly Bill 5 and AB 2257 in in California uh, have been landmark decisions that will affect the nature of independent contractor relationship. Thankfully, ALC has been able to lobby heavily and in support of the language industry. What is your 
your take on that? So that has been so impactful over the last number of years. Uh, and, and certainly within California in particular, AB5 was a blow. It was something that really caused a huge amount of concern when that became law and we understood the implications of it. But I, I would say that, you know, with partnerships with uh, like Coptic, for instance, and I do want to specifically call out Miranda Ortiz Schneider for her massive effort in being able to get AB2257 passed with the correct language on there, which has changed everything um, entirely. And it really has, from the worker classification standpoint, established linguists uh, at, at, within the context of professional services. Uh, you know, when the original 2257 bill came out, they classified interpreters and translators in the same category as dog walkers and Uber drivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it's in aside from being offensive, honestly, from that perspective, uh, it just was not accurate. Uh, when you look at professional services, and when you look at the education and, and, and the, the effort needed to become a true professional translator or interpreter, uh, it, it took education on our part to help the legislators understand that no, translators and interpreters do not belong with dog walkers and Uber drivers who, you know, what do you need, like a, a driver's license in a newish car and no felonies on your, on your record? I mean, it's just, it, it's something that we appear to have won the battle in California, but it's something that in the United States, we're still going to have to look at it on a state-by-state basis, and then hopefully at a federal level as well. But hopefully, this landmark decision in California will help to pave the way in other states. Absolutely. And I think everyone should pay attention to this subject. It's affecting us all, and it will trickle down to different companies and different sub-verticals within our industry. Moving on, let me ask you about uncertainty. We've had a lot of problems lately with uncertainty in in terms of uh, work and the economy and in the context of COVID-19. I mean, it was unfortunate that this uh, pandemic happened during your tenure as president. Uh, I know. What has the overall industry reaction been to COVID-19? Have you noticed any shifts of significant importance that you would like to share with us? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think we've all felt the impact worldwide, not just our industry, but certainly just about all others. But in our industry, it's been kind of interesting in the sense of if you take a look at interpreting specifically, certainly once COVID happened, uh, just about all of the in-person interpretation opportunities dried up to almost nothing. I think um, we put a survey out and the response that we got back was that from an interpreting standpoint, that business dropped off uh, 70% is the number that I heard during the height, during the peak of the pandemic. So anybody who really had, had, whose business had a focus on interpreting, uh, you can only imagine the economic impact of of that happening. Uh, I think the remaining percentage was probably other interpreting related services. So that's where I see, you know, where potential has been created. So OPI over the phone interpreting and VRI, video remote interpreting, uh, those from what I understand, have increased significantly as one would expect. Uh, if it's just about the only way for uh, interpreting to happen, and you know, you think about healthcare appointments and uh, you know, appointments for school districts, etc. Uh, you know, it can it's it's a viable alternative. And now that technology has stepped up to really facilitate that, I think it's only going to grow more. So uh, yeah, the, those are a couple of the effects. But on the translation side, um, you know, it's it's odd. Like in my company in particular, we saw a dip uh, for a couple of months but not a huge one. And then uh, just in the last most recent month, we saw a pretty significant upswing in opportunities. And so it's it seems like business hasn't stopped entirely. Uh, it's still happening. Um, but um, there, there are different ways in which we can provide communication services. Wow. And do you see COVID being that uh, pivotal moment for certain sub-verticals in our industry to change for good going forward? 
Uh, I think it's going to have a lasting impact, yes. Uh, I, I think that it's at a certain point, uh, for instance, in-person services like interpreting, um, simultaneous interpreting, etc., I do believe that they are going to bounce back to previous usage levels. Um, uh, obviously, a vaccine needs to happen before. Right. That's really going to be an ideal solution. Uh, and so it's going to be some time, I think, before that happens. But yes, I, I do see a long-term change for some verticals within the industry, um, you know, there, there are some, uh, when you think about just the risk levels of in-person work, uh, you know, if a client feels like their needs can be serviced by somebody remotely, uh, maybe they're going to be choosing that from now on. So, They'll be comfortable yeah, with be it. interesting to watch it. Yeah, exactly. That's very interesting. And um, so let, let's move on to talk about the association, ALC. It's yeah. been the voice and the platform for language companies for almost two decades, I mean, in the U.S. and, and all internationally to some degree. What are some of the exciting changes happening there and uh, that we should expect? Yeah, happy to talk about that. And, and you're right. I mean, the ALC has grown from just a U.S.-based language industry association to one that really welcomes international relationships and partnerships. And, and that's something that I've been a big believer in and have done everything I can to try to encourage and, and foster. So I, I would say uh, the partnerships that we've um, that, that, that we formed uh, across the world with uh, associations including, you know, ILEA in Canada, ELIA in Europe, uh, translated in Argentina, down in Argentina. Um, there's so many more. Uh, it's been great. Uh, I think that's a huge part of finding ways to help uh, different individual companies and different associations to connect and to, you know, really foster more communication and, and collaboration, I think, has been huge. But the biggest thing that has been impactful for us, and this is kind of a piece of U.S.-based news, is that we have now engaged with our own advocacy experts Dr. Bill Rivers is now on board as as our own asset, right, and right. he's going to be helping U.S.-based companies to fight the good fight when it comes to helping to educate legislators and helping to you know bring to the forefront the the the, the needs and the impact of language of the language industry and of language industry companies. And so that's something that's really just happened in the last week. And uh, yeah, we're, we're I'm hugely excited to see what, what's going to happen. Now I'm only going to be president for another what basically two weeks. So uh, you know the impact of that is really going to be um, managed by the next board and the next president, Susan Amarino. And uh, so I'll be more or less on the sidelines, but, you know, obviously here to help if they ever need me. Uh, absolutely. I'm sure everyone is excited. Uh, but one thing that I, I don't know if the membership understand or not is how much work and how much effort goes by the volunteers, by the board, t- basically, to make these things happen. It, it does not happen by themselves. So can you talk to us about yeah. the initiatives that happened under your leadership and what type of work and effort went into them? Uh, well, sir. Certainly, I'll say the advocacy thing has been a huge deal for us. And, you know, even working with Bill before he was essentially, you know, part of our team, uh, you know, kind of making that partnership happen, bringing him on board. That's one thing that I, I certainly take great pride in on behalf of the board that I was uh, fortunate to um, to direct as president. Um, I would also say ALC Bridge has been a big deal, and it's something that we're really just getting launched right now. And it, I, I know that you're aware of it, but for your listeners that haven't heard about ALC Bridge, it's a platform that we've created that brings together not only the language industry, including language companies, etc., cetera, uh, but it also brings together academia, so universities right now just focusing on North America, but going beyond that perhaps in the future. And then the third part of it is the students. It's the pipeline, the talent pipeline for the language industry. Because 
the truth is that there are uh, jobs, there is opportunity within the language industry, and not just as a linguist either. I mean, there's certainly trend, uh, lots of positions for translators, interpreters, um, and, and other spots. But if you look at like localization engineers, graphic designers, you know, people specific to the language industry, uh, there's not necessarily a lot of programming out there at the university level to really make that pipeline happen and to bring the talent to the language industry. So Bridge is a place where those three stakeholders are going to be able to connect. We're going to have, uh, well, we do have job boards. Uh, we're also going to help the universities to understand how they can create the content that needs to happen for uh, for for the students that have a need uh, for jobs and, and are interested in the language industry. Because for the longest time, I think those students interested in foreign languages, for instance, you know, they really the pattern and the path that they saw was, well, you can get into academia, you can teach. Uh, that's not necessarily what they want to do, though. And I think um, Bridge is really going to help to create opportunities that weren't previously there. Absolutely. And I'm excited about the Bridge because it's a platform that will allow us to align the expectations between the business and academia, mm-hmm. I think. So far, there has been a disconnect. What was taught in school was not necessarily what was the mm-hmm. skill that was needed uh, commercially. So is that something that ALC will also try to promote? For example, how translation is different from doing it academically versus uh, writing a, a copy for a marketing text and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I think you bring up a great point, the different types of translation. And I mean, if you think about the different workflows, for instance, like, um, uh, you know, machine translation plus post editing. So the human post editing work within a machine translation environment is a different skill set than traditional translation, as you well know. And so I think being able to help uh, bring students up to speed on, on how to do it, on how it works, how they can create value themselves through a workflow like that. Uh, I think that's a you know just one example of a way that the universities can bring value for sure. Absolutely. Let's talk about while we're on that subject. Let's talk about how we do business. So first of all, most of these uh, translators would like to be yeah, freelancers when they leave school. Is that something that the bridge will also try to educate them in terms of how to establish themselves and find work? Yeah, that's certainly a big part of it. I did mention the job board, and I think right. that you know the more participation we have, and I mean it's, it's like. I said, it's really just starting now. Uh, but as we move forward, the opportunities for in-house translation positions, for freelance uh, translation positions, um, and certainly interpreting uh, all the different positions that are available within the industry. Yes, the job board is certainly going to help them understand that. But we're also going to have education there. We're going to have uh, and already have actually some great webinar content, some pre-recorded ones. But then we're going to have some live webinars going forward um, where there's going to be some question and answer possibilities. So yeah, everything that we can do to kind of help that community, the students and the universities to understand our industry better so that they can participate. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Great. I'm very excited about that. In terms of the LSCs or the language service companies, I guess ALC has been a facilitator for business in this industry for so many years. The ALC annual conference is coming up. It's a venue for networking, for education and so many things. This year, it's going Mm -hmm. to be different. Talk to us about that. Yeah, happy to talk about that. I'm actually pretty excited about how it has come together. Now, certainly our plan was not to do it the way that we're doing it now. Uh, we are actually supposed to be in Las Vegas in a couple of weeks, uh, in person, having a typical conference, that's, uh, something that we've been doing for, as you mentioned, the better part of 20 years. But because of COVID, it's just not possible. And right. we were fortunate that we were able to, to negotiate uh, with the venue for our Las Vegas event, that we're going to be able to push that out a couple of years uh, without penalty, which was really nice. 
although it did take some negotiation. But instead, we're going to have a virtual event. It's going to be called the ALC Virtual Summit, and it's happening September 15th through the 17th. And so we're utilizing the Schedule Interpreter VDO platform to host the event. And I want to say you know, personal thank you to Dennis Eisen, who really helped to facilitate this and put it together from a technology standpoint. And so people will be able to see the sessions that we have planned. Right. Uh, and, and huge credit to Ceci Maldonado and to Jen Alvarez for being co-chairs on this event. And uh, Ceci in particular for putting together the speaker lineup, which in my opinion is as good as we've ever had Phenomenal. at a previous conference. Yeah, I, I hope you've had a chance to take a look at it. There's some really strong sessions out there. And so um, because of that, what I'm really hoping is that, you know, people are going to attend and get some great value out of it. You know, not right. just from the sessions, though, because it's going to be more than that. We're going to have networking, as we always have. Uh, at the end of the day, there's going to be a happy hour for each of the days of the conference. And also, you know, it's going to be a mix of, of some traditional speakers, but also panel discussions. Um, and then certainly our exhibitors and our sponsors are going to have some unique ways in which they can connect with the attendees. And so, uh, yeah, again, I'm, I'm super excited about it. Likewise, I'm very excited. I haven't missed actually an ALC conference in, I think, over a decade now. I've been to almost every one of them. So. You and me both. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it's happening this year. I mean, the circumstances are different, but I think it also opens up the, the door and an opportunity for those people who were not able to travel before or, um, right. you know, like now they get to attend these conferences. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. So it's going to be interesting to see going forward how we decide to handle this once really the borders open up again and everything like that, because this does open up opportunity for people that wouldn't normally be able to attend an event like this. And, and of course, we realize that there are some complications when it comes to time zones, etc. But I just think about also the value that I personally received from attending all of the ALC conferences. I think I've only missed one. I missed the, the second one that happened. Um, but, you know, the value and being able to connect with other people in the industry to learn from them, uh, that's one ha- one aspect. But also finding partners and creating relationships through which we're able to service our clients better. Uh, I think that part has been invaluable for me. I think most of us by now have attended uh, a few virtual events, definitely different from compared to physical events, basically. Are there any tips you would like to uh, share with people to pay attention to with, with the ALC event? Right. Uh, gosh, you know, the tough thing <laughs> for me is that I haven't, I mean, we haven't experienced a, an event like the ALC Summit before, especially as far as how it's being created. Uh, one tip I would say is, you know, because of the platform we're utilizing, uh, um, Google Chrome is the browser that you're going to want to utilize. It's, it's really the only way to ensure that the experience you have is going to work properly. So that's one tip. But I would also say, you know, be involved. Um, don't don't just be a fly on the wall. You know, there are going to be separate rooms for some of the uh, discussions that are going to happen. And it is going to be a discussion. It's not just going to be a presentation after presentation. So uh, you know, that's that's one thing that I would put out there is like, you know, participate, be part of it. And uh, I think you get a lot more out of it. Absolutely. And just to add to that, I would say come with an open mind and be ready to meet lots of exciting people. Very good points. Yes, agreed. <laughs> okay. I noticed that the ALC has been very active in the social media front and, and also through its internal channels. Uh, there are lots of discussions about the language business uh, as a whole. Do you see the association helping companies stay motivated and profitable during these tough times? You know, that's one thing that has been really inspirational for me is, is watching the association and not just the leadership of the association, but the members themselves. 
to stay connected and, and helping each other to stay motivated and, and hopefully profitable. Uh, I, I know that you've been involved with the WhatsApp group that we put together, right. I think a little bit more than a year ago, which for me personally has been very, very helpful. And it's kept me more engaged than I thought I could be. Uh, you know, I, I remember back years ago, this is like 18, 17, 18 years ago, we used to have a Yahoo listserv, which was, you know, something that would pop into your email inbox and everybody and anybody could post a question or information there. And it was helpful. But then it also became a, a place where spammers would start sending messages. And so we did have to shut it down at a certain point. But WhatsApp has been a revelation for me. And credit to uh, Gabriela Limoine, uh, who's the one that was the brainchild behind it. We were looking for some kind of platform uh, where our members could connect and have this um, this area where they could ask questions and you know you know find different uh, solutions. Like if somebody needs. Uh, you know, for instance, myself, I needed a Japanese sign language interpreter for uh, a client's need. And, you know, sure enough, somebody was able to help me out. So that has been super engaging. And I think it, yeah, again, it's helped me to stay motivated. I think it's helped a lot of people to stay engaged and motivated during these tough times. There's even a group about fitness and ALC members talk about yep. and share information about how they, they accomplish those goals. That is a really good point. Yeah, I, I know you've been very active there. You're an extremely <laughs> fit guy, which is awesome. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool when you see people within the association to connecting with each other in different ways. And yes, that's one of the offshoots that we had where I think it was pretty much Susan Marino and, uh, and Indy and Lilani and yourself and a few others like saying, hey, let's not um, let's not put a ton of, you know, extraneous chat within the main ALC group. Let's create another group. And, you know, sure enough, that's been a huge success, just kind of helping each other to stay motivated and uh, kind of tracking our, our various fitness activities, which I think has been super cool. Uh, absolutely. The point I was trying to make is that when you join ALC as a member, you it's not a super bureaucratic organization. It's more like a family. People help each other and everyone's open. Wow. So I think that in my mind is one of the the best things you could say about the association. If if we've, I mean, we as members, we as a group have made that feeling clear, then that's mission accomplished because I think you hit the nail on the head. We have tried to create a community that is more like kind of a community of, of, you know, family members and, and making everyone feel welcome and part of it. That's absolutely what it's all about. And it's true. I'm speaking from experience here. I felt very welcome and since day one, it's just been open conversations with everyone. Yep, absolutely. That's how, and that's how it should be, honestly. I think the way that we're all going to get the most out of it is through participating and just being you know, wide open and, as you said, keeping an open mind to uh, the possibilities that are out there. So, yeah, I, I myself have gotten it. I, I can't imagine not having been part of a group like the ALC and you know, specifically the ALC over the last 20 years. That's what sets ALC apart from everyone. Let's talk about uncertainty. I mean, we are all on the same boat. Tell me about how do you foresee our industry changing in the next one year like are the indicators that you're looking at that you know that it's always such a tough question to you know to predict the future how are things going to look you know i certainly think on the interpreting side things are going to see an uptick um we recently put out an infographic talking about how to handle in-person interpretation in times of the pandemic and uh, some best practices and i think that's been helpful um so truly you know looking at the industry overall how are things going to change um you know, I, I'm not the right guy to answer that question because I really don't know. 
Um, but I do know that the industry is not going anywhere. Uh, you know, person to person human communication is something that's in my mind always going to be part of our society. And so I think our industry has plenty of potential. Absolutely. And I think uh, where there is uh, a problem or, you know, where there's uncertainty, there's probably also opportunity. For example, there's more mm-hmm. content being localized for consumption at home. Uh, more people are watching Netflix, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. So I guess it comes down to whether we are looking at the right indicators and positioning ourselves. So, and you, as you say, the interpreting would be probably much bigger because lots of events have been postponed and so on, right? Yeah, that's a fair point. And, and so certainly as more in-person events start happening again, which will sh- surely we're going to see a little bit of that in 2020 and probably I'm hoping back to normal by 2021. Uh, yeah, I think you make a great point that, you know, if somebody is mindful and really paying attention to the way that society has changed and how they can maybe find some angles where uh, things can help out, because certainly you're right, you know, con- consumption of media at home, you know, from uh, Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime to YouTube, it's Yeah, that has been massively uh, increased, you know, so I think you make a great point. Let's talk about how we prepare ourselves going forward. I mean, there is definitely power in numbers. And if we get together, for example, as a group within ALC, we have a better say and possibly we can create opportunities. So a lot of people are listening to today about the ALC would like to know what benefits they get from joining this association. Why don't we talk about what it offers typical language translation company and why should someone who's running a language company think about joining ALC? Yeah, I think that's a wonderful question. And I appreciate you asking that because I think it's it's different for each company, certainly. Um, you know, having seen a lot of different companies over the years um, and how they've interacted and participated in ALC, I would say that certainly for somebody that has a um, a newer company, it, the sky's the limit as far as the amount that you can learn from peers. And that's one thing that I would say, certainly, Never be afraid to join the ALC and ask questions. Um, it is such a non-competitive environment, and I really want to honor our founders by creating this environment that they did where and I, and I could not be more serious. It is not a competitive environment. Um, what we deliberately try to do is create an environment where we help each other and we're open to giving each other our lessons learned. And uh, and so I would say certainly anybody with a newer or smaller language service company, um, there is so much that you can learn uh, that you'll, I guarantee, get your money's worth as far as your association dues within the first, you know, interaction, uh, you know, general interaction that you have with another member that has some wisdom to share with you, you know, be it, hey, you know, what are you doing software wise? Or uh, how are you solving um, your, you know, what are you doing for machine translation, you know, when your clients ask you for that, any conversation like that, you know, I think there's so much value to it, because, hey, I mean, I've made tons of mistakes in the industry over the years. And I've learned, (laughs) yeah, Exactly. I'd like to think that I've learned from a lot of the mistakes that I've made. And, and, um, but I've got to say, I've learned more probably from talking to industry colleagues who have shared their experience in regards to, you know, lessons learned. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's a huge aspect. Uh, beyond that part, just the networking is huge. Being able to find partners to help fill in the gaps that you currently don't provide. I mean, I think back to the 80s and 90s when really we were all kind of operating within a bubble and we were having to create solutions that 
you know, didn't exist in many mm-hmm. cases. And so I think from that perspective, being able to communicate with the group, you know, on platforms like WhatsApp, um, et cetera, and being able to say, hey, can somebody help me out here? Just having that avenue, I, I think, again, there's your value right there. Uh, beyond that, um, you know, certainly the advocacy part of things, there is no other industry, uh, there's, sorry, there's no other association in North America or in the world that is advocating for uh, language service companies in North America the way that you, the ALC is. We are uniquely positioned now with uh, Bill Rivers Absolutely. to be able to, you know, I, I think that's a really unique proposition that we have that, uh, you know, we're going to continue to fight for uh, for language uh, service companies and to make sure that they can operate as businesses with clarity in the law, stating, you know, exactly how that employee classification issue should be, that the independent contractor is a valid part of our industry and that not every linguist should be an employee. And, you know, the good thing is that both linguists and companies feel the same way. Uh, so that's a, a fight that we're going to continue to have. Uh, honestly, there's just, there's a lot more that people can get out of it, including our virtual roundtables, webinars that happen both on a regular basis. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you're, you're uh, I'm preaching to the choir and you're also talking <laughs> to the current presence. So there's going to be some enthusiasm on my part and some pride on, you know, some of the things that we've created over the last few years. Um, but, you know, that's, that's one thing that I didn't bring up earlier. And certainly the virtual roundtables, I think that's been something that has really helped get us through the pandemic as an association. Uh, people have really, uh, you know, engaged that way, you know, just via Zoom, the way we've kind of done it. And it's everything from like sales topics to uh, marketing, um, contractor management, etc. cetera. Uh, it's been a huge help in my mind. Absolutely. And to add to that, I mean, when I alluded earlier about ALC being a family of um, executives from language companies, yes. uh, we had the happy hours, for example, where, I mean, if yep. you think about it, these are more entertaining sessions where everyone is talking about what they're going through but it's good for the mental health and well-being of everyone and and we're looking after each other yeah you're right and you know i didn't even mention the happy hours i'm glad you brought that up and yeah we actually had one i don't know about six weeks ago or something like that where there was i don't know 25 or 30 of us and we ended up helping each other figure out who our celebrity doppelganger was and so we went through (laughs) pictures and uh yeah, I, you know, again, you're right. It's just like being with a group of friends and, and just kind of keeping, uh, you know, for all of them, so many of us have been at that point had been shut in to our homes or home offices for, you know, four, five, six months or whatever. Right. And uh, yeah, being able to at least have some human interaction on that level, I think has been super helpful. Right. So for me, for example, because of these sessions and these events, the lockdown was not as bad as I had expected. I mean, I, I was mm-hmm. always able to communicate with someone if I had questions or even if I mm-hmm. needed just to, to laugh for a few minutes, I, I would call Susan and Marino or someone like that. And that gives me a feel of having the right people who understands me, not just in terms of as a person, but also jokes that are related to work. And she gets that. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> Susan is great about that. Yeah, no, I think she is going to be such a great president. Uh, you know, she's the next president at ALC, as you know, and um, I, I think she's just a tremendous person. And I'm excited to see what the ALC is going to be doing under her leadership. But uh, yeah, no, having that connectivity has been a huge thing. I wonder what it's going to be like in the future when we finally do have in-person events again. Uh, you know, like I'm, I'm used to hugs and shaking hands and stuff like that. And it's very strange right now when, when I do, you know, meet people, um, how that's not really part of society right now. So it's kind of strange. But, you know, I'm sure we're all going to adapt gradually. Hope that things will return to normal so we can go back to our normal way of life. Exactly. Let's move on to a subject that's related. I mean, uh, these are tough 
tough times, especially the leadership and organizations our sizes, they're having uh, you know difficulty making decisions. What is your yeah. advice for language company executives as a leader of an association like this uh, yeah. to make the right decisions during these challenging times? Well, certainly I would say that it's 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 a good time to be fiscally conservative and, and to watch your bottom line. You know, uh, that's the, one of the main things that we did going into this was to take a look at our expenses and find out where we can cut things. Um, you know, it, when times are good and times are great, you don't have to be as, uh, as fiscally conservative. But, you know, truly when the income part of your balance sheet is not as certain as it once was, I think that's when you have to be especially careful with how you're spending your dollars. And, you know, we all, I think, have a, a somewhat of a benefit when you think about the money that has been spent in the past in in-person events as far as like, you know, conferences and things like that, travel, etc. Um, you know, taking clients out to lunch or whatever kind of expenses that, that were related to in-person work, those have been gone for a while. And so that, I think, has mm-hmm. been something that has been helpful for a lot of us companies. And so, um, yeah, trying to kind of be defensive, I think, a little bit in those terms until you do find that opportunity and it does make sense to invest in it. I think uh, strategically that's that's where to be right now still until things really, really open up. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. On that note, uh, the ALC does an annual survey of its membership and I think it's even open for uh, people outside the circle. What do you have to say about the survey and what value does it provide to a translation company? Yeah, the survey has been uh, a huge help and I think ever since it was first created by Randy Morgan, uh, this is probably, I don't know, 15 years ago or something like that, uh, uh, really, it is a, a, a huge, huge, uh, powerful tool in any executive's arsenal to be able to take a look at their company and really benchmark what's happening in the industry versus what they are doing. Uh, and it's everything from, you know, employee compensation to rates charged for various services on a historical basis. Our partner, Nimsy, Nimsy Insights, um, uh, they are, they've been handling it the last couple of years. And I, I got to say, it is better now than it's ever been before. The way that they collect the data, uh, it's not a very difficult process. I think it maybe takes 30 to 45 minutes to uh, input all the data in their tool. Um, the way that they collect it and present the data, because that's that's one thing that I think is important also at the virtual summit, at our annual conference when that starts again. Uh, we always have a session where we present the highlights of the industry survey so we can take a look at trends in the industry and we can take a look at, you know, where our place in the industry is as far as, you know, whether you're uh, uh, in person, you know, uh, an interpreting company focused on in-person interpretation in the past. And, you know, if you want to see some stats regarding VRI, well, those are going to be in there. Uh, if you're in the, uh, focused on the translation industry and you want to see what people have been charging for the uh, rate wise for, uh, you know, the language pairs that you're focused focused on, that data is going to be in there. So, um, and, and I think certainly one of the most helpful things in my mind has been on the comp side of things, you know, uh, looking at sales staff or project management staff or, you know, uh, HR, all the different positions within the company. Um, the AOC survey gives you some uh, perspective on what the rest of the industry is doing from a comp standpoint uh, so that you can kind of stay in line. And, and I do think that when it comes to negotiating with your staff and, uh, you know, they're hitting you up for a huge raise and you've got a piece of a data point where you can say, well, you know, I, I value you highly. I think you're a huge um, asset to the team and you do deserve a raise. But rather than what you're talking about, you know, this this point right here is actually at the top of the industry 
And so, you know, he, you know, let's continue the discussion from right. here. I, I think that there, there are a number of ways in which the ALC survey can help a business out, um, you know, but just participating and doing it's one part. You actually have to really read it, analyze it, and utilize the data. I know that the ALC conducted the 2019-2020 survey not too long ago. The mm-hmm. results will probably be available soon, but is there anything that you can share from your findings so far? Well, I, I wish I could, uh, but that's <laughs> one thing that we are saving for the summit, which is coming up, like I said, in just a couple of weeks. It's, uh, it, I think that's a key thing that people look forward to is a few, a few of those key data points. And so I'll have to wave off on that one and encourage everybody that wants to hear about the survey to join us for the summit. Absolutely. And I'm encouraging everyone else who hasn't looked at the survey in the past to really consider it seriously. It's, it's important. It helps you and decision making for the future. So yeah, let's for that for the summit so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk in generalities. Uh, what do you see the value that uh, a translation company provides today or an interpreting company for that matter to its clients are we able to articulate that clearly Uh, what does alc do to clarify that value that our industry as a whole provides because it looks like there's a lot of confusion about what we do yeah good points and i alluded to that a little bit earlier when i talked about the commoditization of the industry that you know i think there's a perception that you know a client hands off a file it gets tossed over the fence uh to a translator quote unquote and then it comes back to the client uh, the translation company and then it gets handed off to the clients and that's not exactly Exactly. In my mind, um, the value proposition that we want to present to the clients of the language industry. Um, so, I mean, speaking about translation specifically, you know, when you think about recruitment, when you think about process and workflows, um, uh, certification, if you consider ISO certification or ASTM uh, certification, there's a lot more that goes into a translation project than just, you know, receiving file, sending file, receiving it again, and handing it off. Uh, so, uh, you know, every company's going to be different, of course, but when you talk about the various quality control processes that happen, uh, graphic design, uh, you know, again, from a workflow standpoint, sometimes companies bring value by having a workflow that includes machine translation. And so they're able to bring prices down. And if they do it properly and they have the right, um, you know, um, post-editing by humans, then my gosh, they've created a, a significant value. And that's something that barely existed just a few years ago. So yeah, I think that's something that um, the ALC probably doesn't do as much as it should in that area to to, really help from a client education standpoint. So I think it's mostly happened on a, on a company by company basis, but I do think that there absolutely is is an aspect to our industry that is not necessarily um, out there as much as it should be from a client perspective. While we are at it, I mean, ALC has now the lobbying um, initiative and Dr. Bill Rivers, uh, you know, has been phenomenal. Is there any plan for uh, engaging enterprise parties to join ALC and and learn about our industry and at the same time to make connections? Well, certainly, and and at an enterprise level, I mean, we do have um, uh, members already. I mean, I think LanguageLine is probably the best example of that. Uh, Scott Klein has been very engaged and, and uh, a huge supporter of the ALC. Um, and we've got some other very significant size companies. I mean, I think uh, Certified Languages is, is huge. Right. Um, I mean, there, there are a number of others. But yeah, certainly when we talk about the very biggest companies in the industry, you know, there are efforts out there to connect with them and to help them understand the value that they can receive by participating and being part of the ALC. Because certainly they're going to see participation differently than a younger, newer, smaller language service company. Uh, 
Uh, I, I think that's pretty obvious, but I do think that the value proposition that we have created through having Bill Rivers um, as an asset for the ALC, I think it is unique and much different than whatever they have considered in the past. Just to extend that point, are there plans or interests to involve non-translation parties, for example, <clears throat> buyers uh, of translation services, to get engaged in the ALC and learn about what we do? Well, we're certainly not against it, uh, but as far as really making the ALC uh, kind of driving it towards their direction and and having initiatives that are specific to buyers of translation services. It's not part of the agenda that I put together uh, when I came on as president a couple of years ago. Um, but, it, you know, who knows what Susan's plans are in that regard. Uh, I certainly see other associations out there that have um, more of, I guess, uh, a higher interest level uh, in that direction. No, that's probably not the right way to say it. I would say they've got um, more programming that is kind of angled in that direction. Right. And the ALC doesn't right now, but I, you know, I certainly couldn't rule it out for the future. Absolutely, because it's important to read client signals and interpret that for our industry and not work in silos, in my opinion. And while, as you said, there is data, there's a lot of association actually trying to extract that data. It would be nice if ALC also had some of that input coming in from client side so that mm -hmm. it can... Well, for example, pass on that information and some visibility. I mean, uh, the survey that we have is phenomenal for translation companies. But what right. if, if we knew about the fears and problems that the client side is facing in regards to the COVID or any other situation? Yeah, that makes that's that's a really good point, Sauce. And then that's why it, I think it's so important that we have participants, we have members and leaders like yourself um, that are part of the association to help us see the potential out there for changing direction a little bit. I, I think that's a fabulous idea. No, thank you. Let's talk Rick, about regulations. We we discussed this earlier. What type of changes are we expecting? in the next 20, 12 to 24 months? Well, as far as regulations, I mean, just speaking as far as the, uh, from the U.S. perspective, uh, Dr. Rivers has some ideas and some plans, um, certainly at a federal level and, and then again at a state level, kind of taking the momentum that we have from California with AB 2257 and trying to help use, utilize that as a tool to bring other states up to speed and to get them on board by, you know, legitimizing the, uh, indep uh, the independent contractor um, value that, uh, that that we have in the industry. Um, Bill has talked to me about having an event, a virtual event, sometime early in 2020, uh, sorry, um, 2021. And, and so I think at that point, what we're going to be doing is having an advocacy event where um, people from the U.S. are going to be able to connect with the, their legislators and help them understand what's going on in the industry and how they can help positively impact uh, business in the U.S. And so uh, Bill's putting that together. I think he has some great ideas and we're going to hear more about that probably towards the end of the year. So the changes in California, which we talked about earlier, were monumental. Uh, ALC played a pivotal and critical role in diverting some of the negative impact of these new regulations on, on the language industry. I think it was a win for our industry at the end, uh, thanks to ALC and its uh, members' mm -hmm. efforts. The U.S. election is upon us in a couple months. Without getting political, what does that mean for our industry? <laughs> Hard to talk about that without getting political. <laughs> uh, you know, it's. <laughs> I'll give you my perspective. You know, the, the, the impact could be that, uh, well, Sultan, you, you know, you, you live up in Canada, you might have more neighbors, uh, you know, more people <laughs> moving to the U.S. Everyone's uh, welcome. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, you know, if, if it doesn't go through, we'll see. Well, I, but seriously, I would say that uh, certainly healthcare is such a big issue. Um, and when you look at the healthcare industry in the United States and the way that it's structured, um, there are laws being talked about right now that are being interpreted. Um, and Bill is going to be talking about this a little bit more to the association, but 
you know, if things are interpreted in the right way, um, it could be said that all um, Medicare-related appointments are uh, are going to have interpreters paid for by the federal government. Uh, that's something I don't believe is in place yet. But if it happens, just think about how many interpreting appointments that would uh, affect. And so that's something that I think could have a huge impact that, you know, one side of the political spectrum would probably be highly in favor of it and one side may not. I, I you know, I'm not going to say which is which, but the bottom line is that um, this is a very, very big election. I think everybody, certainly in the U.S., is paying attention to it. And I would encourage everybody to get involved and vote. Please, uh, you know, if you're a U.S. citizen, um, you know, it's your constitutional right. And I would say get out there and do it for sure. And, and, and you know, as I understand it, I believe up in Canada, everyone's pretty much required to vote, right, Sultan? I don't think people are required, but most people actually do vote. So there's a yeah. better participation here. I know some some jurisdictions have requirements. Back to this subject that without specifying which party is going to win or, or are expected to win, do you mm-hmm. think that there will be discussions at the federal level uh, with regards to labor uh, labor regulations and independent mm-hmm. contractors that might affect translation companies in the U.S. across the board? I mean, certainly it's part of the conversation, and I've talked to Bill about that in the past. And, uh, you know, again, I it's hard to say how things are going to shake out. Um, certainly we know uh, the poll, what the polls say as far as who's leading the race right now, but uh, as, as far as how each party would um, would necessarily impact the worker classification issue. Uh, I think it's it's hard to say. I mean, just at a state level right now, I mean, I've, I've been involved in lobbying the state of Washington, and we certainly saw uh, more support from the conservative side of things when it comes to uh, allowing for independent contractors um, to be part of the, the linguist pool, so to speak. Um, I think there was more push from the unions, certainly in the state of Washington, to not allow for independent independent contractors. Uh, so I think mostly, though, honestly, it was because of confusion on their side and really not understanding the impacts of, um, of forcing the employee model on our industry. Um, right. So that that's really why our focus is on education, really to help all the stakeholders understand the implications of having the two different models be valid. And that's all we're saying as an industry. And certainly all I'm saying is that, you know, the independent contractor model should be valid if you follow all the rules. And it's when there is a lack of clarity in the law that problems are created uh, in regard to uh, worker classification and, you know, misuse, uh, you know, uh, of tax aid, uh, taxes and things like that. Um, you know, if, if you are a company that plays by the rules and understands the law and adheres to the law, you should be able to have uh, linguists as independent contractors. That's all we're saying. Absolutely. And to your point, I think it's upon it's required or, or must be a responsibility of every executive in every language translation company to familiarize themselves with these requirements in the U.S. and protect these rights because it's, it's important for our industry to survive and thrive. Yep, I totally agree. Okay, so let's talk about your role at ELC, your t- tenure as a leader. How has it changed the course of this association over the past one year? Uh, well, unfortunately for me, Sultan, it's been more than a year. It's it been was, challenging. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it felt this, certainly this most recent year was uh, more challenging than the most. Um, right. But yeah, no, I was brought in, or I should say I ascended to the presidency more than two years ago at this point because, uh, and, and essentially we changed the rules. Um, we felt, the board felt, I should say, that it was really difficult for a president to get any of their initiatives 
it's done within a one year time span because there is kind of a, an adjustment period where you're just getting used to the role and, and figuring out how best to work with the management company, et cetera. And under my tenure, uh, we switched management companies. Uh, and so that was in and of itself a big challenge, but the board voted to extend the term so that the president would stay on for two years. And so in the middle of that, then COVID happened for me. And so again, our conference got changed. And I would say that just a huge impact for me has been right. the fact that all of our events had to, we had to renegotiate and change dates on everything, which was a, a big challenge. But you know, as I look back at everything that's happened over the term uh, that, that I oversaw, I would say that the things that really stand out in my mind that I'm proud of, uh, certainly the, the partnerships we were able to form with other industry associations, uh, we've become much, much closer with Gala. I think, for instance, Allison Furch, the executive director there, has been wonderful to work with. We've been able to collaborate on a number of things, especially related to advocacy. And, uh, you know, and on another thing that I'm very proud of, ALC Bridge, um, I certainly don't take credit for it, but, you know, I will say that, uh, you know, Kathleen Diamond, who is the person who is really the, the visionary that made that happen, you know, I was very proud to support her and just to help her make that happen. Um, you know, the WhatsApp group, uh, that in and of itself, I, I know it's kind of silly to consider that a big deal, but to me, it is a big deal. The, the fact that we Absolutely. were able to create that, and I think it's going to be something that's going to stay with us going forward. Um, I'm certainly proud of that. And then, you know, on the advocacy of that side of things, being able to help affect and impact le legislation, having the board get behind um, Coptic and Lorena. Uh, and then, of course, you know, bringing Bill Rivers on board. I mean, those are some things that really stand out in my mind as, as far as highlights in, during the time that I was president. Those are significant accomplishments. Congratulations, Rick, on those. Uh, you've done an amazing job, in my opinion. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks, Sultan. A lot of people listening to this podcast will be interested to know about <laughs> ALC. After all, this podcast is called the Translation Company Talk, and it is targeted towards language company executives and owners. Uh, what is your message for them? Well, you know, we've covered a lot uh, as far as the ALC and the benefits of, of being part of an association like that. And, and I think that would be my message for them. You know, be engaged, be part of the industry. Don't just operate within the bubble of your company. Uh, be part of the conversation and be part of the change that can happen when you when you get involved in advocacy. So, yeah, my message to them would be be involved. Um, you're part of an unbelievably uh, interesting and powerful industry. Uh, I, I think all of us that are part of the language industry are so fortunate to be here. Uh, we're surrounded by great people. You know, uh, I already mentioned the the environment that we try to create at the ALC specifically, as far as you know, one of nurturing and learning and friendship and colleagues. Um, that's something that I think everybody could benefit from. And so I would strongly encourage anybody listening to this that's part of the industry, um, you know, please get involved, whether it's the ALC or another association, get involved, be part of it. You're going to get so much more out of it uh, if you put in even a little bit. I think you, uh, I think that's something that I would, I would strongly suggest. I couldn't have said that better myself. I would like to know what events and uh, programs you're attending this year. Which one would you recommend for our industry? Of course, ALC first. <laughs> of course, ALC. <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, the, yeah, certainly the, that's the top of the list for me, the ALC Virtual Summit, September 15th through 17th. Uh, the ATA, I think I'm scheduled to be a speaker there. Actually, that's coming up also 
later next month. And as of right now, that's all I have planned for the rest of the year. Um, but, you know, that's the nice thing about this virtual world. Like things can pop up. I don't have to make travel plans or anything like that to attend something. It's just a matter of signing up and clicking on a Zoom link or whatever the platform would be. So uh, that I'm, I've been kind of doing that lately, playing by ear when I have time. And if some if the stars align and everything fits right, then, you know, just jump in and attend whatever. You are also the CEO of Dynamic Language. Uh, please share what Dynamic Language does. How does it create value and how has it evolved over the past yeah. couple decades? Well, actually, I, I'm not the CEO. Uh, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm one of the part. No, no, that's fine. It's fine. I'm one of the partners. Uh, my sister, Sandy Duclage, is uh, she's she's a partner with me and our mom, uh, Maria Antizana, is still our CEO. And uh, so... Yeah, but happy to talk about dynamic language. You know, we, we are a language company that's been around since 1985. And so we have seen a lot of the changes that have happened in the industry ever since then. Uh, so we offer just about every language service under the sun in just about every language. Uh, so, you know, we certainly focus on translation and interpreting uh, and all kind of the sub parts of that, plus transcription, voiceover, narration, just about everything having to do with localization. And so, yeah, we try to bring value by being a strategic partner and really understanding our customers' needs, really taking the time to uh, get into the details of their goals, understanding those goals, and then trying to fulfill them and, and bringing value every time we do. So that's that's kind of how we operate. Wow, that's amazing to hear. There are very few translation companies that uh, out there that have a clear vision. It looks like a dynamic language is strategically positioned to serve its clients in all industries. Uh, you know, that's what we try to do, certainly. And, and I will say, certainly, there are more. There are some industries that are a better fit for us than others. Uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, we really try to focus on flexibility and agility. Um, you know, one of our core values is is humility, honestly. And so we try to learn all the time. And if we don't have an answer, if we don't know something, uh, we'll be transparent about that and saying, hey, you know, if something's not a fit, we will tell you. Uh, but if, you know, we're not sure about something, we're also going to put every effort that we can into learning and finding out. Uh, what the best solution is. So, you know, that's why we, so we've been ISO certified for, uh, gosh, uh, almost nine years now. And, um, it's been such a process of kind of refining, well, refining our processes so that we can remain consistent in how we deliver services. Um, but I would say certainly that, you know, we try to, and we tend to fit really well with enterprise level companies, but we also work well with everyone down to, you know, small and medium sized businesses. So yeah, I'm excited about the future for dynamic in particular. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how things evolve. Uh, as my last question, I'm sure a lot of people would like to reach out to you and connect with you regarding ELC or talk to you as the leader of dynamic language. What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Well, certainly you can always email me, uh, my email address. This is rick at dynamiclanguage.com. It's R-I-C-K at dynamiclanguage.com. Also, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at, at rick425. And uh, yeah, there's a probably LinkedIn two of the best. Too, right? Oh, yep, certainly LinkedIn. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, <laughs> not too not too difficult to find. There's not too many people with my last name on LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, no, but I, I do want to say, Sultan, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate the invitation to participate here on your, your podcast. And uh, yeah, if you ever need someone in the future, if there's ever something that I can contribute, let me know. But, uh, you know, I really appreciate 
you and you, what you do for the industry. Uh, I think your leadership is huge. Uh, you know, Thank certainly you. with the association up in Canada, Ilya, and then uh, you know your participation in the U.S. with ALC has been massive, and so it's it's a pleasure to have you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for your time, Rick. I know you're a very busy man, so I really enjoyed our <laughs> conversation. I hope to have you in the future episodes to discuss a specific topic. So yeah. that invitation is always open to you. Count me in. Thanks so much again. Okay. Thanks, Rick. All right. Have a good one. As always, I get to review three products pertinent to LSCs on this podcast. In this episode, we are going to be reviewing and rating three products that are related to networking and connecting. The first product I would like to review is the ALC Bridge. This is a service offering by ALC that connects language companies with the academia and allows students to find opportunities within the language industry. This is a fairly new product and will probably take a much different shape as it matures. I'm very proud that my company is a sponsor of the ALC Bridge. I would give the ALC Bridge a 10 out of 10 for its potential and what it can offer to our industry. The second product for review is the Gala Connect platform. This is an interesting forum for language company executives and staff to discuss specific issues related to translation and localization on a regional and global basis. Topics of interest range from Africa regional interest and activity to CAT tools, CEO forum, machine translation, quality management and so on. Certainly a great place to look for information relevant to LSCs and I would give it a 10 out of 10. Our last product for review on this episode is the Multilingual Magazine. If you haven't subscribed yet, you must in order to receive the most up-to-date industry news and information. Besides lots of educational content, they also discuss business and enterprise issues including mergers and acquisitions, regional and geographic coverage of localization matters, and much more. They showcase experts from all the different subsectors of localization and translation, and the quality of content is always top-notch. I will give Multilingual Magazine a 10 out of 10. There you have it, my interview with Rick Antizana, partner in Dynamic Language and president of the Association of Language Companies. I found this conversation very interesting and insightful, I'm sure you did too. Stay tuned for our next episode where we will be covering the hotly debated topic on translation localization sales. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe on Apple's iTunes podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Send your constructive feedback and criticism as it is always good to hear from you. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned for our next episode.